Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the YouTuber and photographer, Christopher Lolly. Christopher, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here. Now, this is one of those murder podcasts. We're going to solve a murder, right? No, this is the one where we commit a murder. And then... Oh! Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a new it's a new thing I'm trying. Yeah, it's going to be uh, oh, okay. interesting. But I figure, you know, you're extending the amount of content because then you can make another podcast where you solve the murder that you committed, which is kind of oh. the ultimate crime, right? Yeah, the murder's coming from inside the building. Okay, (laughs) exactly. I'm on board with this. I mean, as long (laughs) as it's not Murder the Guest podcast. No, no, no. Well, maybe, you know, you got to have a little bit of tension, right? (laughs) I'm a little nervous now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really excited to have uh, you on. You you hold like a special place in my uh, sort of indie developer uh, world, I guess, because... I believe that the day that I launched Dark Noise, you had a YouTube video up about it. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, I did. I I did. I got on the beta somehow. I, I'm going to assume Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I talked to you or if somebody just like posted a link or what or retweeted something. Who remembers how Twitter works anymore? Yeah, I got on it and I was like, holy crap, this app is special. Like there's something really, there's something really special here. Normally I don't make apps or app videos or videos about apps uh, on the day that they launch. Like I don't, I'm never ready for, for when apps are updated or like I'm usually like a couple weeks late uh, just because the nature of how long it takes to make a video and like the way I do my testing and I'm always constantly behind. Yeah, you're not like news necessarily. You're definitely getting more deep in the weeds on things. Exactly. And and I also I'm constantly behind on my work. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> like I get I get these emails from developers all the time. Hey, I'm launching this app on such and such date. Uh, and I, I'm like, that's cool. I'll check it out. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I, I won't have anything ready for your launch date. I'm so sorry. But like, eventually I will do something, I promise. But uh, yeah, no, I, I got on your beta and I was like, okay, this is something special. I, I had tried a bunch of noise apps. I'm I'm somebody with ADHD and I struggle uh, focusing. Like I, I have the worst time focusing. And if I remember correctly, and this was a little while ago, so I could be misremembering, but during your beta, like before it officially launched, like I, I was having real issues with ADHD and like I couldn't even listen to music at the time. Mm, like it yeah. was just I, I just had to have something to drown out the whole world around me. Uh, and I think AirPods Pro were out or I had those Sony headphones that everyone had before the AirPod Maxes. So I took your app threw on like the rain sound or whatever, turned on noise canceling and it just blocked out the whole world around me. And it like it's solved a huge issue for me so i was like okay this is something special and i think you told everyone like when the app was going to launch like way ahead of time so like i was actually able to get a video out on time i just remember like you know there was a couple big articles from people that i was super excited about i talked to them and knew that they were coming but yours like on on launch day you know i i did a couple times like google you know google your own name and that was how i found that you had posted this video about it and like no idea it was completely out of the blue and then it was probably the first time i saw somebody in the wild 
using it, like your fingers touching the iPad, you know, hitting my app. And that it was just like a outside of body experience kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, the, I typically don't tell people what I do ahead of time. (laughs) I'm the worst. Most people would probably really appreciate it if I would tell them like, Hey, I am going to have this video about your thing on Tuesday or whatever. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed the uh, the surprise about it anyway. But okay, so I've... Man, I feel like I've done this the last couple episodes. Somehow I'm turning this podcast into being about me instead of about, you know, the person I actually have on. It's it's your podcast. You can make it whatever you want. Touche. Well, I think people are here really for you. So let's, let's do that. And before we get into, you know, your YouTube channel and all the stuff that you do, uh, let's give everyone a primer on who you are. And so the three questions I always ask to kind of get into that is where are you from do you have a formal education related to what you do and then what was your career like that like led you into being a youtuber mm, okay so uh christopher lolly i'm from fresno california do i have formal education i'm a college dropout college was not for me but uh i did do this uh film school program in high school actually that was kind of like this college level thing it's kind of a weird setup it's a it's a local thing but it really helped me get into video and stuff like that uh but after i graduated from high school i did a year and a half of college wasn't for me dropped out got a job in it hated every second of it oh no yeah i know it was the absolute worst but all while that was while i was doing that you know i really loved the apple ecosystem uh you know i had a macbook pro at the time um i i loved playing around with it uh and then the ipad started coming you know becoming its own thing uh and if i remember if I, oh, man timelines are hard to remember now but it was like in 2015 Uh, I started a blog called The Untitled Site, and I just was, like, writing about, like, apps and short, or it was workflow at the time, like, workflows and things that I just liked, and nobody read it, uh, because nobody knew who I was, Google Reader was dead, Uh, (laughs) blogging was on the decline, Uh, it was not... Where did the name The Untitled Site uh, come from? (laughs) Um, so I had an original name, uh, you might have to bleep this, I'm sorry, but it was called Random. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I originally had that, and then my roommate at the time, I was talking to her about it, and she was like, you can't, you can't use that name, and I was like, why not? It's funny, like, it's totally, like, right up my alley, because I curse like a sailor. Uh, and she's like, well, what if you're on a podcast or a blog wants to link to you, but they won't do it because you put a curse word in there? And I was like, uh, uh, okay. So I was sitting at my day job one day and I opened up a text file and I went to save the text file and it was just untitled.txt. And I was like, oh, hmm, untitled site. I was like, okay, yeah, I could do that. And I, you know, I opened up Hover. I was like, oh, the untitled site uh, is available. And I think originally I did the untitled site.com. Now it's the untitled dot site. Much cleaner. Yeah, exactly. So I, I got the the name there and then I just started, I wrote on it the blog for about a year and that nobody was reading it. I would get maybe like 50 to 100 views a month. I think there was one month where I wrote something, I don't even remember what it was, but I wrote something that got linked to by somebody and I got a whole thousand views on my, my blog that month. Uh, and I was just like, okay, that's kind of cool. But it wasn't like, it, it, and it was never something I set out to make a career out of, but you know, it was something that I was putting effort into and I would like, you know, somebody to see it. Was it was it more to scratch your own itch, just 
to get to have a creative outlet? Yeah. So I, at heart, I'm a very creative person and having a job in IT is not a very creative job at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, deciding what color ethernet cables you <laughs> use is about as creative as it gets. Uh, so I, I just, I needed to do something and that was like the, the path of least resistance. That was the easiest thing for me to be able to do while having a full-time job. And then I, you know, everyone started getting into YouTube Late 2015, 2016, there was like this whole new wave of of YouTube stuff. And I was like, you know, I could do that. I have a background in video. Why don't I take the stuff that I'm writing about in blog post form and make videos about it? So stuff about apps and workflows at the time. Now, now shortcuts, uh, you know, hardware products and stuff like that stuff that I like. And I'll just turn the, those those blog posts that I'm making into videos. Uh, so 2016, I started my YouTube channel, uh, and it just, it did better than my blog, like almost immediately. Like after a oh, couple of months, it was doing better than the blog because I, what I realized is YouTube is where the people are. Uh, when there was Google reader and all that, you know, blogs were at their heyday and stuff and people were sharing links to other blogs and being like, Hey, go check these out, blah, blah, blah. That was great. Um, but after Google Reader died and all that stuff, people kind of dispersed. And the place where the people were, the the, the, the eyeballs were, was YouTube. Uh, and, you know, it still is the case. But that was one of the big reasons why I went to YouTube was because, hey, this is where the people are. If I'm going to make something, I would like somebody to be able to see it. Uh, and YouTube is where people are going to see it. So it wasn't so much the medium that, like, you wanted to be making videos. It was really just, like taking this blog you're doing and seeing if maybe you could turn it in a way where more people would see it. Yeah. I think it was kind of a combination of both I, with video stuff. I was able to be a lot more creative than, than I was with writing blog posts, which definitely scratched that itch there. Um, but also I did want people to see it. Like, it, yeah, like I'm not like somebody that's, that's obsessed with engagement or anything like that. But if you're going to spend hours and hours working on something, it would be nice if somebody saw it. Oh yeah, definitely. So, okay. So at this point, you're, you're, you basically have a personal blog that you're doing kind of for fun to be a creative outlet. But I mean, that has since transformed into now it's like your full-time gig. What was yeah. kind of the journey there? Like at what point did you start trying to monetize it and then trying to grow it? So when I started YouTube, uh, YouTube kind of got hit with like a little bit of a scandal that uh, these small channels and stuff were getting money from advertisers and posting some yeah, like I not that. so great stuff. Yeah. So YouTube kind of had to rework their whole monetization thing. So they put some rules in place and it was almost it was literally like a couple months after I started posting on YouTube, if I remember right. And again, timelines are hard. This was a long time ago. That there might be a plus or minus a few months in there, but um, YouTube enabled like you had to have at least a thousand subscribers and 40,000 hours of watch time or 4,000 hours of 4,000 hours of watch time or something like that. I, I honestly I don't really remember exactly what it is. So but they had some floors basically. Yeah, yeah, there, there was there was a barrier to entry to start monetizing. So I was like, okay, let's make some videos. And if I can get start getting monetized in a year, we'll keep doing this. So basically, I gave myself a year to get to the monetization port. And I think it took me about six months to get to the 
apart. Six months, maybe it was six to nine months, somewhere in there. And I started getting monetized. Were you actively making choices to try to grow the channel to get to that point? Or were you basically just keep making videos about tech things I currently think are interesting and see what happens? Exactly that second thing. It, it was very much like I am going to make videos that I would watch about stuff that I am interested in. I don't do new stuff. I don't do like uh, clickbaity like, oh, my God, Apple ruined this like yeah. MacBook. Like, I can't believe what they did. Ah, Like, I, I don't I don't do that stuff. I just like, hey, here's an app I like or hey, here's a piece of hardware I like or here's a review of a new iPad or something like that. Out of curiosity, have you tried? Have you like, have you ever dabbled? Or are you just like, if I if I eat from the poison apple, you know, I'll be ruined forever. Maybe back when I started, like it would have been something to like dabble in and try. Yeah. But now like I do, now that I have like a reputation and stuff like that, I would honestly be afraid to make something like that because I, I like I don't want to be perceived. Okay, I, I don't care. I'll make I'll, I'll make some enemies. I don't want to be perceived as that guy. Like I don't want to be the clickbait YouTube person that like like makes some like over over the top obnoxious title over like the littlest thing that's like doesn't even matter. Uh, it's it, that stuff frustrates me. Your channel, and if anybody listening hasn't, you should definitely go. Honestly, just check out the last like five videos because you've had a couple of uh, like you know, your favorite apps in these different categories. And those are just great videos. But your channel, I feel like, and I went back and watched some older stuff. And I think you've definitely grown into this, but you have a very like uh, warm, inviting vibe, warm, literally in the colors, but like also just the whole vibe is very kind of chill and relaxed. And I could see having a, you know, the classic YouTuber screaming emoji face, uh, would almost conflict really strongly with that. So I can I can see how that would be hard like to ch- even try to dabble in what the algorithm wants you to do. Yeah, I when I make a video, I approach it as okay, once if somebody clicks on a video, I need them to be able to come away with something, that them to learn something like or or at the very least be entertained. Um I don't want just clicks and views for the sake of views. Like I I actually want like most of my videos are hey, I want to teach you something. A couple of my videos are hey, I'm just going to entertain you for like five minutes and do something silly. Uh, I have one of those videos coming up where it's just very much like you probably won't learn anything from it. You might learn something. You might learn about some audio related things. But um, for the most part, it's just going to be entertaining. But I I very much want to teach people. I, I want like people to be able to either discover new apps or hardware or whatever. Like in the case of like when I made that video about dark noise, I wanted people to be able to discover dark noise uh so that that's kind of like what my focus is uh and and my thought process is like i'm not a youtuber for the sake for for other youtubers like that that's a big trend right now where a lot of youtubers like make videos for other youtubers Mm, yeah it's just like okay that's getting pretty it's a little yeah it's a little too on the nose it's so i'm just like okay i just want to make stuff so that people can learn about things and take away from like the channel as like hey you know i found this cool app i found this shortcut i found this piece of hardware whatever that makes sense so do you you said you were pretty much just making videos that you know you would find entertaining is is there anything that you are doing though to or you have done 
over all this time to kind of intentionally go for growth or has it all been, you know, just keep plugging away and, and kind of hope that there is an audience out there that, and obviously there seems to be an audience out there that likes the the content that you make. There are definitely some videos I've made that I knew would be popular. Like I, I, I frame them in the sense like uh, I so I just did a bunch of videos. I do like what's on my iPad, what's on my Mac, what's on my yeah. iPhone. I just did like a whole series of those. Those are very popular videos to bring in new people. Um, those are those are videos that are are. Um, so I, I, when I make a video, I think about it in like two different buckets. It's either going to be a video that brings in new audience that, that people like the algorithm will chew it up and be like, Hey, this is perfect for the algorithm. We'll show this to a bunch of new people, bring, bring new people in. Or, uh, in the case of a video I made recently called goodbye and hello, (laughs) where it's just basically me talking about moving and stuff like that. But I kind of put a little clickbaity title on there. I rarely rarely do clickbaity titles it was worth it but though. this one yeah, I, that was a good one I, I this one i think was worth it i i got a few people uh with that one um in that case like it was very much like this video is for my subscribers uh i can pull the uh analytics for it and there there were some like new people that watched it but it was very much like this is just being shown to your subscribers and like that it's something that was just for them so most of the time i i try and walk that line of like hey this video can bring some new people in but also like current subscribers are going to get something out of it i don't want to be making that same video over and over yeah. and over again with the same information i want to make sure i'm always delivering something new that's interesting it's almost like you know i'm obviously always mapping everything to uh to app land but it's almost like thinking about it in terms of you know growth strategies and like reducing churn strategies and so you Mm -hmm. have some that are like about keeping you know keep feeding the people that are already I guess subscribers, although YouTube's weird about that, I know, but people who are actively watching everything you make and then other ones are like, all right, now I need to dip the ladle into the algorithm bucket and just, you know, grab a few more people from the outside world. And that's when that's what like your here's what's on my iPad or probably you're like, what's new in iOS 13 or iOS, you know, iPad OS, whatever. Those are probably in a similar bucket, I assume. Those actually like walk the line almost perfectly. So like every year I do like a uh, um, everything you need to know about iPad OS, whatever version. Uh, and those always bring in a ton of new people, but also my current subscribers love those. And like that is like the perfect example of a video I strive to make. Like I, I want to make most of my videos. I, I would say like 80% of my videos. I would like to straddle that line perfectly where they bring in new people, but also feed the people that have been around for a really long time. Because if you've been around like watching my videos, I appreciate that. I don't want you to like just like feel like I'm leaving you out in the cold and not giving you anything new. I want I want you to f- still be learning something from me, still be able to pull something away and not having the same, you know, piece of hardware recommended to you every single time. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you so you mentioned like you don't usually rush to get things out, you know, by a certain time or whatever, but do you join the sort of mass frenzy of uh, trying to get those out around the time that that they're launched? Or do you kind of take your time with those? If it is a Apple related thing, like like uh, so I've, I've got review units in the past. I also have like been like, hey, 
this OS release uh, is embargo. Like, you know, Apple will usually, like, the big OS releases, we usually know, like, a week ahead of time, like, when those are coming out and stuff like that. Uh, so, except that one year, iPad OS 14. Oh, my I'm goodness. I'm so mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> still mad at that one. It's still, oh, it'll be out tomorrow. What? Um, yeah. Anyways, that's that's a total derail. That was a rough week. Um, <laughs> that was, oh, my gosh. I that was a rough summer uh but that's a whole nother story um but yeah so those big videos like if i have like an ipad review unit or an iphone review unit or uh i know an os release is coming out like you know ipad os 16 i knew that was coming out at like at a, on a certain date because apple told everyone like hey it's coming out on i think it was monday or something i always try and hit those dates Sometimes I don't always make them. Sometimes I, I'm a day late. I don't beat myself up over it because I always know I have a unique take on YouTube, especially uh, maybe not in the whole like Apple commentary system, but definitely on YouTube. I'm I'm a little more different than the general tech YouTubers uh, because I'm, I'm much more um, focused on like, you know, like a handful of things. Yeah, I don't I don't care about the latest Android phone. I don't care about. Uh, Windows tablets. I don't care about any of that stuff. I, I just focus on the stuff that I like. And that allows me to like filter out and focus just on like, hey, here's a new iPad Pro review. Uh, and like the embargo date is Wednesday and, you know, having that video ready by then. Do you feel it whenever you miss those days or like how important do you think it is to get it out like on embargo day? It is important. Uh, so the iPad OS 14 one is is a great example. I missed launch day. Uh, that was a whole mess of a summer. Uh, I missed launch day by like a week uh, because I figured, hey, Apple's always given us a week. And like I kind of planned it out for that. And I just I was off by a week. And that video did terribly because of that, oh, uh, which was a bummer uh, yeah. because that is th those videos. I spend at least 100 hours, if not more, every summer working on them. Uh, and that's not counting like research and playing around and, and all that stuff like it, it. They take a ton of time to make. So that was a bummer. Um, it's definitely really important important to be on the embargo if you can but it's not the end of the world if you can't my first million view video was a review of the 2018 ipad pro and i didn't have a review unit for that like nobody from apple has ever re ever reached out to me at that time like i didn't have a review unit i went out and bought one i got one on day one um but i still spent like a week playing with it testing it all out and then made my review so it was like a week week and a half late and that video still did amazingly well it was my first million view video on the channel um so it, it it's while while I I agree like it's it would it's nice and important to be there for the embargo. It's not the end of the world if you don't. It just I just I think it just kind of depends. Yeah, but it seems like that's at least the safer the safer option. Yeah, if you can be, try to be. This episode of Launched is brought to you by Sofa. Imagine you hear about a great new TV show, book, or podcast. What would you normally do? You'd probably scribble it down in your notes or to-do app and then completely forget about it. Instead, you should throw it in Sofa. With Sofa, you can create lists of almost anything. Podcasts, apps, books, board games, movies, TV shows, music albums, and video games. You can then use these lists to decide your next book to read, movie to watch, or video game to play. Sofa's design is inspired by some of the best productivity apps, 
but focused on helping you be more intentional with your downtime. If you think about it, the tools we use for managing our downtime are designed for work. This includes to-do lists, notes, and calendars. We use these tools for our personal lives, but our work stuff is right there next to it. This can make it more difficult to disconnect and relax. Using Sofa will give you a dedicated place for organizing your downtime. The majority of Sofa is completely free. You can create unlimited lists, sync your data with iCloud, track your activity, and more. If you're looking for a little more power, though, you can upgrade to Super Sofa. With Super Sofa, you can get the ability to customize lists with cover images and descriptions, add sticky notes, personalize the look and feel with over 100 different themes, and a whole lot more. Sofa is available for iPhone, iPad, and Apple Silicon Macs. If you want to start organizing your downtime, head over to SofaHQ.com slash launched to get a one-week free trial of SuperSofa. That's SofaHQ.com slash launched, L-A-U-N-C-H-E-D, to get a one-week free trial of SuperSofa. Thank you so much to Sofa for your support of Launched. So you've mentioned a couple times that you've you know, you have now gotten uh, embargo uh, units from from Apple or other companies. What what was it like the first time you got one of those? Was that just like an incredibly validating feeling or was it scary? It was so scary. It was validating. <laughs> yes, it was so it was it was uh, it was incredibly validating. So the way embargoes work for any company, not just Apple, any company is uh, we'll just say hardware. But this can also apply to software too. like you get a thing. You are basically have to like you're not allowed to talk about it until a set date and time and your review or whatever you want to call it can can be released at that time. The first time I ever got an embargoed product, I probably checked the scheduled time (laughs) and like what they said the embargo was at least 25 times. Like I just looked back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, okay, this time matches that time because I did not want to be the guy that broke the embargo. Yeah. Especially on the first one. Yeah, especially on the first one. Now I don't stress about it too much. Like I look at the the time, I schedule it and then I, I walk away. I'm good. But yeah, the, that first time, like being being like, okay, don't don't break the embargo, don't break the embargo, Chris. It, it was a little nerve wracking. Do you uh, like? I know sometimes they have a bunch of different rules around review products and stuff like that. Have you sort of had to like internalize? I know you don't have a company with a bunch of people, but at least for yourself, a like sort of set of ethics around how you navigate all this because i know it's it's kind of complicated especially now that you have sponsors yeah um so my my big thing is uh if if money changes hands at all which for apple and i nothing never ever 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 never never in a million years would i ever take money from the nor would i think they would give me any so i just want to get that out of the way but like if i have a sponsor if money changes their hands at all they become the sponsor. They get labeled at the beginning of the video, they're the sponsor. They get labeled at the start of the ad that they're the sponsor. And at the end of the video, they're labeled as the sponsor. And in the description, they're labeled as the sponsor. So it's very hard to miss that they are a sponsor. And when I use the word sponsor, I mean, hey, money changes hands. I am not fully unbiased here because of this thing. And you're trying to be as 
transparent and upfront about that as you can. Exactly. And and sometimes like with sponsorships and stuff, there's stuff that they really want you to talk about that like I don't really necessarily care about and stuff like that. So that's where like that sponsorship label really comes in handy because like you're able to like, okay, that not not that I'm lying or something, because I, I would never lie. I would never say like, hey, this thing can do something it can't. Yeah. But like there's sometimes like they really want you to talk about something that I'm just like, nobody nobody's gonna nobody's gonna care about that. Like why why nobody nobody why why is that why is that a priority for like in a 60 to 90 second ad spot you really want me to waste 20 30 seconds talking about that thing so that's where like that sponsorship label really kind of comes in handy and like le- gives me a little bit of flexibility so that i'm like yeah this isn't really my like my my thing a lot of times though i will rewrite the script scripts or talking points that sponsorship sponsors send me because i'm like this isn't good. Let me, let me, let me fix this for you. Well, and that's, that's the value of red sponsorships, right? Like that's, yeah. that's the thing with podcasts too, is like, uh, the value is the, the person who you're looking at reading it out. Have you, do you find yourself, I've, I've noticed this, especially now that, you know, I'm kind of playing in this game. In fact, this episode will have a sponsor, Woo! which I don't know who it is yet. So, you know, but it'll be there <laughs> unless you're a Patreon, uh, member and then you won't hear it. Um, but like I've noticed there's, there's kind of two voices people have uh, a lot of times when they're reading sponsorships, there's kind of like the reading mode where you're like, this episode is brought to you by blah, blah is the leading indicator of blah, 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 you know, but then there's like sort of a, a flip that switches when somebody goes into improv mode and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. Hey, for real though, I love this thing. They're not paying me to say this part, but X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And like, it's kind of a weird thing. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that as I'm starting to do these reads. But like, do you do that on purpose? So usually when I do sponsorships, I will take their talking points that they send me. uh, I throw out like 50% of it and like rewrite the whole thing. Because I, I basically have a rule that I will not do a sponsor for anything that I usually like the sponsors that I jump on right away. So like I have a couple coming up for the app drafts, uh, sane box. Those are services and apps that I use. I love. I'm just like, don't even send me anything. Like I, I will write the whole thing. Then there are some that reach out where it's like, okay, this looks like a cool product. Never heard of it before. Hey, send it over to me. I'll try it out. Then we'll go from there and you know, I'll play with it. And if I like it, I'll be like, okay, cool. Like everything. Let's do it. And then some, sometimes some bigger sponsors, names withheld, uh, yeah. really want you to stick to their scripts, like, like, like contractually obligated to stick to their script. And those are the ones where like, hey, this video is sponsored by blah, 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 blah is the leading blah, blah, blah of blah, blah, blah. And they can do X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Um those are the ones where I'm like, ah, I really wish you would just let me play with yeah. this because I can make it more interesting and I could make it um, like I, I can show the people that this is actually something I've used and I like um, because I do like for for as a listener or a viewer or somebody when those ad reads go improv when when people start going like okay like hang on i'm gonna just put this script to the side for a second this is something i actually use i love it for these reasons those are the ones where i perk up and go oh okay yeah that that's the one i want to listen to so um i always try and like incorporate whenever i do an ad sponsor like 
hey, this is this is like how I use the thing. Like right. I actually use this. This isn't just me reading from a script. Again, sometimes I'm contractually obligated to read from a script, but I'll always try and throw in like one line at least of like, hey, this is something I've tried or this is something I use or this is something like I absolutely love, like some some kind of like improv line like that. Uh, just to kind of like let people know like, hey, I'm not just blowing smoke. You know, there's an actual reason why I'm doing this sponsorship because I don't um, I was on another podcast recently and I honestly I wish I would have kept track of this, but I have left a lot of money on the table for products and sponsorships that I just don't like. Uh, if I had like no moral ethics at all, I'd be doing all the Bitcoin sponsorships and all that stuff. And I, I, I would be breaking in big money. Uh, but I say no to all that stuff because I do have, you know, ethics. Like I, yeah. I do have like, like a, a, a conscience. Uh, so it, it, yeah, it, it really comes down to like, like if you're watching something, you really have to know, like, is this somebody I trust? Is this somebody that like, like actually like is putting their money where their mouth is kind of thing. It's an interesting, like ethical situation to be in whenever, especially like it'd be one thing if your videos had nothing to do with the types of people who are sponsoring, right? Like if you're, mm-hmm. uh, I'm struggling to think of if you're the slow-mo guys or something, it's like, and you're doing a, an ad for like some credit card or whatever it's like there's a pretty strong disconnect there it's like okay whatever like they're just getting their ad out there but whenever it's you doing a video on tech stuff and then it's a tech product that's sponsoring there's there's kind of an implied uh promotion there from you explicitly and so you want to be really careful about you know not abusing that yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm very selective about who I agree to being spon- like agree to being sponsors. So, like I have one for Harry's, the the razor shaving company mm. coming up. Uh it's a product I use for like cleaning up around the edges. I have a beard, so I don't I don't shave everything, but I, you know, cle- I use it for like the the nice cleanup trim and stuff like that. So it's actually a product that I use but it's something that like has nothing to do with tech. So I, I feel like that's like a great spot for me. Uh, and then there's ones like that I mentioned earlier. I have sane box and drafts coming up. Those are both services and apps that I live and die for. Like they, they are, uh, wholeheartedly will have recommended them before they even ever reached out about a sponsorship. And I'll still recommend them after that. I've, th- they've done the sponsorship. I just have to disclose that, hey, they've sponsored me in the past. Yep, and money exactly. has changed hands. So that that's the big thing is like I try and be as upfront as possible about when money changes hands. I think where the gray area can come in is when money doesn't change hands, but like somebody sends me something. So yeah. a lot of times I will get like early access to um like right now i have early access to uh an ipad stand i get a lot of ipad stands i wonder why (laughs) so like i'll get early access to that stuff and like i don't have to pay for it because there's no way for me to pay for it like they're just sending it for me to make a review about it and stuff like that so those are the ones where i'm like hey i didn't pay for this they sent it to me Here's what I think. And I and it's not like I have a script for those or that talking points or anything like it's I, I've never I, one time a company tried to get me to like follow a script. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, I, yeah. I don't do that for the you, if, if you want me to do your talking points, that's when money has to change hands right. and become a sponsor. But when you're asking me to just review this product that you're sending to me, uh, I, I write my own reviews. I will say the negatives along with the positives and stuff like that. 
Right. Because that, I mean, leaving aside ethics even. Yeah. If you're just being purely cynical, that is just ripe for burning the whole thing down, right? Like once, yep. once, uh, I almost called them users. Once it's not listeners. What's the word? Watchers? Viewers. Viewers. Good viewers. Lord. Viewers. Uh, <laughs> once people whose eyeballs and ear holes, uh, consume your product. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird way of thinking about it. Once people catch a whiff of that, it's like, you know, it's game over. Like the trust is a oh, major yeah. factor in, in, uh, having a channel that people want to come back to regularly, I feel like. And so, yeah, you don't, you don't ever want to touch any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I absolutely like, I am a big, like there is no amount of money in the world that can force me to say something that is untrue. I was about to push on that. I bet there's a number. <laughs> I guess I actually shouldn't say there's no money. Everyone has their price. Let me, but let me rephrase. My price is so high that no company would be willing to give it to there me. It would, it would be a, an, it would be like retirement yacht money. Like it would be like, okay, I'm taking this money and you'll never see me again yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> but no company would ever give that to me. Like, let's just be like completely honest. But uh, yeah, no, I, my, I, I think the thing that I value the most from having, um, I don't want to use the word relationship because that, that feels weird, but like people, people trust what I say and I don't want to abuse that. I don't want to be somebody that like starts recommending like, go get my, this Bitcoin thing to like really, you know, 10 X your portfolio and stuff like that. And, you know, as crypto bros are known to have Southern, uh, Southern, Southern bumpkin accents. <laughs> well, well, I'm assuming all crypto bros are like Dallas oil men, right? Ah, like that's, okay. That, interesting. Interesting. I yeah, can see that. That's, that's how it works. I, I, I don't own any crypto. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it like it, go, it all goes back to like the things that I make videos about are things that I'm interested in. So the things I do sponsorships about are things I am interested in. It's it's important to me to keep that kind of like that. That's what the channel is about. Yeah, uh, I, I I've had people ask like, oh, do I ever intend on expanding the channel, like adding more personalities and people to it, and like adding like um, coworkers and stuff like that? And honestly, no, because that's when. At least for me, that's when I notice YouTube channels really start to change when they start adding multiple people and it stops becoming like this, this person's channel and it becomes like this corporation kind of right. thing. And and that's where, I don't know, it, it's not that that's bad. It's that it's just not what I want to do. No, that definitely makes sense. But I guess in that similar vein, uh, we've, you know, we mentioned earlier that you've, you've gone full time. So this is... Mm -hmm you know, a business, it's, it's your primary way oh, of yeah. paying your bills. Uh, I guess, you know, going all the way back, what, what was the process like going independent? <laughs> uh, so when I started doing YouTube, I was like, this would be cool if I could do this as a full-time job. I never actually thought like it would be a realistic thing that I could do as a full-time job. Uh, but I was working in it. I hated it. I, it just wasn't, it wasn't for me. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I really enjoyed making YouTube videos. So I kept making them and the channel kept growing. And those AdSense checks, the checks from Google when ads run in front of the videos and stuff like that, they kept coming in and they kept getting a little bit bigger and bigger every month. And I was like, okay, um, maybe I could do this. And then uh, 2020 happened, uh, pandemic hit. And I was like, okay, 
my company that I was working for at the time sent everyone home. Everyone worked from home and I was in IT. So once I got everyone all set up, there really wasn't much for me to do. Mm. So I just took all that time for working from home and I just like poured it into the YouTube channel and treated it like YouTube was my full-time job. I was like, okay, what would this be like if if I was full-time YouTuber? And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And they started bringing everyone back into the office and I'm diabetic. So I was like, uh-uh, I ain't coming back. I, I got a terrible immune system. I'm not coming back. And eventually uh, an ultimatum was placed in front of me and I came back for a couple of weeks and i was like you know what i'm not i'm not good with this so i quit uh i was just like i'm out oh so there wasn't like a chart where you're like once i cross this line i can there originally was a chart and i was (laughs) on track to hit it in a a year from a year from when i quit so i quit in december of 2020 i was on track to hit hit that line in december of 2021 uh if like everything held up yeah and i was like you know what i would have more time on my hands and I'm just not happy right now. Like, that was the big thing. I was not happy. I was dreading getting up. Um, I I wasn't, at that point, I wasn't super excited working on videos anymore because it just was like, <sighs> I just was like, I, I hate going to work. I hate doing everything. I just wanted to sit on the couch and do nothing. I was depressed, honestly. I, and I was, I ended up getting diagnosed for depression and all that stuff. Um, but I was just like, you know what, this job is causing way more headaches for me than what it's actually worth. So I went into my boss's office, dropped my letter of resignation out of nowhere. That was the best feeling ever. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That was amazing. Um, and I was just like, I'm done. I'm like, you you guys are asking me to compromise too much. I'm done. I'm out. Uh, let's, uh, I, and gave this YouTube thing a try. And I was like, you know what? If it doesn't work out, like I was like, I'll give it a year. I have money and savings. If if it doesn't work out, like if this if the year of 2020 or uh, 2021, then w- that was my first year being full time doesn't work out. I can just go get another IT job. It would suck, but I can do it. Right. Um, and it worked out. It, I I started doing some more sponsor deals. Um going back to that talk uh i was able to make more videos i was able to kind of like expand upon what i talked about i started making some mac stuff on like videos focused on the mac as well i wasn't just focused on the ipad um and i it went really really well and then 2022 happened and that went even better and i'm hoping 2023 goes even better uh so i i think i made the right decision hopefully (laughs) yeah it seems like it's it seems like it's working out like really well so you so you you started doing those sponsorships. So I guess at that point you kind of have two revenue streams. You have like the ads ads directly from YouTube or Google AdSense or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you have sponsorships. Yes. Is there like are those kind of your two pillars then for what kind of holds the business up in case one of them, you know, dries up because I know ads have been a bit dicey in the last like 6 months. So Google AdSense, yes. Uh, to, to answer the the short answer is yes. Uh, but Google AdSense pays very very little. Okay. Uh, it's enough to still leave it on. And there's some debate and conspiracy theories about if you turn it off, YouTube doesn't recommend your videos as much and stuff like that. So right, because then they're not making money anymore. 
Yeah, and and Google and YouTube say, no, that's not the case. But then there's been some testing. It, it, it's enough for me to kind of give it the side eye and be like, yeah, I'm not I'm not touching that. I'm leaving that on. Like, yeah. So um, but sponsorships are definitely the main my main source of income. That's what pays okay. my bills. That's what, uh, you know, allows me to invest money back into the channel and buy hardware and buy apps and stuff to talk about and things like that. Uh, so it, those are definitely the main. The other the other is affiliate stuff um i don't do a ton of affiliate stuff but every once in a while like i'll i'll like make a video about like oh here's a few hardware products i've been playing around with and here's some amazon links and those are affiliate links by the way and those those do okay they're they're enough where i just take that money and i invest it right back into the channel i don't live off that i don't rely on that um the the main source is definitely sponsorships uh, I had tried, uh, you and I talked privately about this, I believe, but I tried doing a membership thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about next. Yeah, it just didn't work out for me. Um, there's a lot of reasons why, but the biggest reason why is I'm I'm a single person. Like, I, I work by myself. I don't have an assistant. I don't have any an editor. I don't have anything. Like, so my day job can go from spending up ton of time answering emails to filming to editing to writing research all that stuff and doing a membership on top of that i was i was trying to offer a bunch to make that membership worth it and i just didn't have the time and what was happening was i was spending a ton of time on the membership which wasn't doing like it wasn't great at all like i wasn't making a lot of money from it at all but i was spending a ton of time because i made a bunch of promises on stuff that i would hit yep exactly it was affecting my ability to make videos videos and because of that i was just like this this isn't good like my main source of income is making videos i make way more money making videos than i do this membership um so i shut down the membership and one of the things that i was told like what i should have done is i should have made some videos exclusive to the membership but i really don't want to do that like to me the videos and stuff are should are at least the videos and stuff that i make like the tech videos and stuff they are the free part like they are the accessible to anyone like as long as you have an internet connection anyone should be able to get to that and then i had stuff on top of that that i felt was the membership and that's the way like i feel it would work for me everyone's different everyone's you know set up and the way they do things can be different but i felt that's what would work for me the best um i don't know if i'll ever do a membership again but i am definitely looking at um different income streams uh one thing i've been doing is wallpaper packs i have a couple of those and they they've turned out really well they're all like photos that i've taken and edited myself Uh, so i i and i do some photography work as well so that has has been really nice to be able to do and it's something that like i kind of like that business model a little better i know it's not as easy but i like that like hey i'm gonna offer you something whether it's merchandise a wallpaper pack and you know you just give me money it's the original yeah. it's the original <laughs> business model i don't know why i was making it sound like i invented that i <laughs> that was dumb but uh it was it, it, i i kind of like that business model because it's just a one-time transaction and i'm able to just do that set it up it's automated and everything runs in the background once it's all set up right. and i'm able to go back to focusing on making videos which is the thing that ultimately i want to do it's the thing i enjoy doing the most um it's the thing i'm i'm happy spending my time doing so that's kind of like the the multiple streams of income that i'm kind of sliding towards have you thought about like merch 
Yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure what I want to do. I'm not that good of a graphic designer. Uh, so, like, I've tried my hand at making shirts and stuff. Didn't go over super well. That was a very, 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 very long time ago. Um, so maybe it would be differ a little bit. But I think I'd rather do something instead of doing like shirts or sweatshirts or hats or something like that. I think I'd want to like make an actual physical product. And I'm not sure exactly what that would be. Mm. Um, but like I, I've talked about doing with, with some people, I've talked about like a photography book would be something I would really enjoy doing. Uh, whether that's a photography book of like my my landscape and urban photography and stuff like that that I've done. Or like, hey, photography of computers and apps and stuff like that. Like that could be interesting. So like I, I have a bunch of different ideas for things, but uh, it's all about finding the time to get to do them. Yep. Because anything you do is going to take time out of your core product, right? Uh, which is the channel. Yep. And that's the thing I like. And that, and honestly, that's the thing that brings in the money right now. So I would really, I would really have to have a, an idea I really liked in order to start taking time away from that channel uh, to pour into that idea. You ever thought about making an iPad stand? <laughs> <laughs> I have too many friends that make iPad stands that that's I'm fair. Like, that's fair. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take it away from you guys. And plus, <laughs> like, there, I have two iPad stands here currently. So I have the MagFloat Pro, which is this telescoping uh, iPad stand that gets really high. It's magnetic. And then I have the one that's from Moment and Sarah Dici. The um, why am I blanking on the name of it? But their iPad stand that's. Um, it like tilts down so you can have like this drawing mode. It tilts up. It's got this really heavy base. It's really nice. I've hovered over the buy button on, on Sarah's uh, stance, but I haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. It's so nice. It's very nice. I really like it between that one and the MagFloat Pro. Like, I feel like, like those are like the two like directions iPad stands should go in. And I don't have like a unique take on them. So I don't think I'll make an iPad stand. I really want to make a backpack. That's the thing I really want to make if I'm being honest. Like, mm, yeah, that fits, that fits you really well too. Yeah. That's, that's the thing I really want. Um, but we'll, we'll see about that. Interesting. Interesting. What is your like workflow for making a video? Meaning like, <laughs> you know, idea through to the actual creation and what kind of apps. We don't have to go through a long multi-hour thing. I'm sure there's a lot, but just kind of, I'm just curious. I've had a couple people on when they describe their workflows. I steal a couple ideas. So I'm more or less just using nice. this to mine for some ideas here. <laughs> I like, no, I totally like that. Uh, so for me, everything, surprise, surprise, starts with a shortcut. Uh, I have a shortcut called new video project. Uh, and I run that and it has a menu of uh, idea active or short so if it's just an idea that i kind of want like i like this idea but it needs to be flushed out or i don't have time to work on it right now it goes into that bucket active is something that i'm immediately going to start working on because it's uh, i like it's i can flush it out right now i really like it or it's topical or something like that and then short is because youtube is actually finally uh monetizing shorts Something I'm kind of dabbling in. I'm, hmm. I'm, after we hang up this call, I'm actually going to be working on one. Um, so I, it's something I'm dabbling in. And I have some ideas for like, hey, these are some like small apps. And they don't necessarily make sense for me to make a five or 10 minute video about. But they would be perfect for a short. Like the, these small utility apps that do like a really specific task. Like maybe play a background sound or something. Who knows? Yeah. You know, if somebody's <laughs> ever made one of those apps. Whatever. Um, so like I, I've been kind of like playing around with that. So 
once I make the uh, that it actually the shortcut fills out all the steps for the project, uh, or well, it creates the project, then fills out all the steps. And then um, usually what I do is I take a bunch of notes, do a bunch of research. Uh, in the past, I've been using craft. I just started playing around with obsidian and I really like it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be one of those guys. Um, I I really like uh, what it did. I, I played with Obsidian in the past, but it was still in the beta and was very, mm. very rough at the time. And I was like, ah, like writing and note taking is way too important for me to be like fighting against yeah. an app that that's in beta. So I, I kind of put it to the side. And now that it's officially out of beta uh, and it's had some time out of beta too, it's not just like fresh out of beta, but uh, it, it feels a lot more stable and a lot more. Um, it, it just works a lot better. So I'll, I write all my notes and stuff like that. And then um, once I have my script all kind of written out and usually for a script, I don't write uh, like everything I'm going to say, like line by line by line, I write an outline and then I kind of like improv, like what those line outlines should be. So like, yeah, cause you can hear it in, in somebody's voice when they're reading a script. Exactly. And that's what I don't want my channel to be is me reading a script back to you. I want it to be like, I'm having a conversation, uh, with myself, I guess, <laughs> um, which is something I do. Like, I totally talk to myself. I'll admit to it. It's, yeah. I, I taught, you know, I'll, I'll read out the outline in kind of an improv way. And then once I get that all filmed, I'll put it in the final cut, cut it up, make a list of all the B-roll shots I need to film. Uh, and I use drafts for that. I, I have like a little uh, automation in there that basically allows me to just like quickly fill out an outline for B-roll script for B-roll shots that I need shoot shoot all that stuff throw that all those clips in a final cut cut them all up make sure everything's all nice and neat and edited properly uh upload it to youtube if there's a sponsor i send it off to the sponsor to make sure they're happy with the ad um and, and then like kind of just get everything scheduled i do uh thumbnail stuff i do all of that in lightroom uh so mm. i'll take the photo edit it in lightroom um i don't typically do too much photoshop work uh I, I just kind of like do a lot of in-camera stuff and then I'll, I'll tweak it in Lightroom. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the very rough top level of like how I get a video done. And that us that process usually takes me two to three days. Okay, that makes sense. Do you use any plugins or anything for Final Cut? Like I love your color grading. And so I'm curious oh, really? what, what you use for that because I've never found Final Cut's built-in color grading to be super great. That's actually what I use is Final Cut's built-in color grading. But what I do is I shoot... So uh, the camera I use is a Canon uh, R5. Mm -hmm. And I shoot in what's called uh, C-Log3. Okay. So it's this yeah, very yeah. flat profile. Um, so that allows me to really get the colors that I want. Uh, and I also shoot in um, Rec 2020. No, wait. What? No, yeah, yeah, it is Rec 2020. Uh, so that gives you a lot more... Um, this is where this is where my knowledge kind of starts to kind of falter but from what i understand it gives you more space it gives you more color options to pick from than the standard right. what's called rec 709 so it, it's it's more closer to hdr but it's not hdr like iphone hdr where you view something and it just blinds you in the middle of the light because it's so <laughs> bright uh oh i hate that but it gives you more color space. So that's where like I and then I just use Final Cut's color grading tools. And what I did is I built a preset for myself. That's what I was going to ask. 
Okay. Yeah, in Final Cut, you can save your effects as a preset. So I just did that once, and then I just dragged that onto... Uh, one plugin I do use is an adjustment layer plugin because that's something Premiere has, and Premiere is where I kind of really learned to hone my editing skills, and that's something I really liked was an adjustment layer. So instead of having to color grade each clip individually... Apply it to the whole thing. Yeah, you have this like layer that's completely blank and you could drop the effect on that and it applies to every clip below it, uh, which is really nice. So that's just what I do. So it, it makes it really fast. I've been playing with DaVinci Resolve on the iPad, but one thing that Div- it, it's very um, complex. It's yeah. way more than what I need for my needs. It, it's very much like this is a Hollywood editor and we have a ton of settings for you so you can get everything just right. And I'm like, I'm just making silly internet videos. Well, you're not doing per shot uh, tweaks and you know adding gradients to one specific area that needs to track movement or anything like that. Exactly. Like I, I like every once in a while, I'll have like some clips that need to be graded separately that need to be like, okay, I need to take care of this clip separately from the rest of the timeline and stuff like that. Uh, but most of the time I shoot everything in my studio. So the lights very even in here, I have two big lights. Um, so that way I can make sure like everything's lit pl- properly. Uh, and I don't really have too many issues when it comes to color grading and stuff like that. And like the, the my studio is sound treated. So the audio is like one of those things like I don't even uh, do any adjustments in the audio other than turn up the gain. Well, okay. I make the left, I make the left channel dual mono. So it, it comes in both the left oh, and sure. the right yeah. e- ear. And I turn up the gain a little bit. That is the only thing I do to, oh, as far as audio effects because I've like treated this room so well and I spent probably too much money on a mic well probably not too much money because i don't have to do anything with it but the microphone i bought like is really good so i don't have to like sit there and tweak anything to like make my voice sound right i feel like it does a good job of capturing what my voice should sound like that's interesting so so that's interesting that you so you moved from premiere to final cut i'm the opposite i was a final cut pro seven well six and then seven user uh that kind of didn't uh transition over to to 10 or x or whatever they call it and landed in adobe world uh and every once in a while i have it so i i play with it some every once in a while but i've never learned the what is to me a very weird timeline i'm curious uh we, we won't get too specific because i know this is kind of off the rails a little but i'm curious why you switched to final cut uh the biggest thing was performance uh the mm. performance gains with final cut are bonkers it's one of the big reasons why i keep like apple please bring final cut to the ipad because the performance is unmatched against davinci or premiere especially Uh, i have a lot of youtuber friends that edit in premiere and they're constantly fighting it even on like a maxed out macbook pro they're constantly fighting premiere when you say performance do you mean while editing or you mean like export times both um and crashes uh premiere yeah crashes like nobody's business save early save often is still very much the case in uh video editing land i feel like for me anyway yeah i i don't have those issues with final cut i've only ever had one major issue with final cut and it was for my ipad os 16 walkthrough video for some reason, so I have a maxed out MacBook Pro uh, or M1 Mac. I guess I don't have the the, the fancy one anymore, but it, the, the maxed out M1 Max MacBook Pro. Uh, and 
so 64 gigs of RAM. When I was exporting my iPad OS 16 walkthrough, it needed more RAM than what I had to export mm. uh, because it was a bunch of individual clips. Yeah. Uh, that was what was tripping it up. And it couldn't swap? Uh, that was the issue is it was hitting, so 64 gigs of RAM. It was hitting 128 gigs of total used. Uh, uh. So it was using 64 gigs of swap. And it was after it would hit that, it would crash for whatever reason. Interesting. Uh, and honestly, I don't know what really fixed it. I just kept trying to export it and eventually export it. it and made I would, it through. <laughs> I, and then eventually it made it through. And I was just like, great. And the funny thing is it made it through one time. And then I noticed a mistake. And I was like, oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, no. But then I fixed the mistake. That's when you try to fix the mistake on the exported video file <laughs> just to try and avoid the problem. Well, it was just, it was such a big video. I was like, I don't want, and like, yeah, it's such a yeah. big video for me, for my channel. I was like, I don't want to like export and export because uh, like that, that bugs me. Yeah. So what sure. I, I fixed the mistake and was able to export it again. I don't, I don't, I really don't get what man. actually fixed it, but um, yeah. So Final Cut is, is really nice. I actually really like the magnetic timeline. I know that's like the, the thing where Premiere users are like, I don't know about this thing. Uh, and I was that way at first. It took me a couple of videos to get used to it. But once I got used to it, I'm like, I can fly through an edit right now. I think that's the thing. I think it's just getting used to it. And I, I've never taken the time to really get used to it. It still feels very, very weird to me. And there's some stuff about Final Cut that I would very much like them to change. Uh, but like the whole library and project system, I feel is yeah. a bit too clunky for its own needs. But for the most part, I can fly through an edit in Final Cut. And that's kind of why I'm not like jumping at the bit to switch to DaVinci Resolve. While I would love to get back to editing videos on my iPad, I did that for four years. Uh, edited all the videos on my channel for four years using my iPad. And then some bugs happened and I was just like, I, I can't do this and bought a MacBook Pro. I'm not jumping back at it because I'm just so fast with Final Cut. And at the end of the day, like that's the big thing for me is I don't want to be spending, you know, two days on an edit. I just want to get in. I know what an edit's going to look like. I, I, that I think one of the big advantages of being like a YouTuber and being somebody and not necessarily limited to YouTuber, but being a, a video person, uh, a small scale video person is I write, shoot, and edit everything. So, like, I know what the final product is going to look like or should look like before I even get to that spot. Yeah. Um, so, it's really easy for me to just cut things up and put things where it should go and stuff like that. Uh, and Final Cut makes that really fast. That makes sense. All right. I'll, I'll pull us out because I could just keep going down this rabbit hole. Uh, but <laughs> we, do need to, we do need to land the plane here. So before we do fully wrap up, though, uh, I'll ask you the question I ask everybody, which is what's a person or people out there that have inspired you that you'd recommend others check out? Uh, so one person that inspired me that you're not going to be able to really check out is, is my dad. Uh, so okay. my dad, kind of along the same lines didn't no college degree or anything like that. He actually works in IT as well, but he's done like a lot of like uh, businesses. Like he's created a lot of things. Like he's, he's very much a self-starter and creative in that sense. So uh, definitely a big person there. Um, I think for me, another person that kind of like uh, piqued my interest about like doing YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, it, it would be the Cortex podcast. It'd be both, both Mike and CGP Gray. Um, yep. It was, they were talking about YouTube and stuff in that like 2015, 2016 era and stuff like that. And I think that's when Mike started doing his thing. And I was just like, 
you know, like I was already kind of like on the fence thinking about it and stuff like that. And the big barrier to entry for me was uh, the job I had at the time, I was not making a lot of money. Uh, so investing in a microphone, investing in a camera and all that stuff was not something uh, or, or any film gear or anything like that. It, it was not something I could take lightly. Like if I was going to invest in it, I needed to use it. So I was kind of on the fence about it. But like hearing them talk about it, hearing that how excited they were about it and like how how like it could be frustrating at times, but it was something that was also enjoyable. Uh, and it was a creative outlet. Like I was like, okay, this, this really sounds like what I need. There's a direct line you can draw between the cortex podcast and me eventually making dark noise, which actually ironically runs through me, uh, trying to do a YouTube channel. I have like a whole bunch of notes and even like a half finished, uh, you know, attempt at a, uh, educational YouTuber, project in place because listening to them slash coming out of uh having kids um and kind Mm -hmm. of starting to get my life back you know you kind of come out of this fog where you're like all right what am i again and i used to do like wedding videos uh and stuff so i actually had gear i was like all right i need to do something on the side but well and i also did like motion graphics projects but i couldn't do contract work because i had young kids and it's like what do i do and i was like this youtube thing and these guys talking about it on cortex and I just loved them talking about the process of running a business and how do you manage all of your projects and everything. I was like, maybe YouTube is something because then it's like on your own schedule. There's no client deadlines like with the contract work I was doing. Obviously, that didn't necessarily work out. But eventually that led to... Well, it led to me being like, I need to figure out audio, which is what led me to podcasting. And then my regular job getting into... uh the iOS development and coming up with ideas for iOS development. I'm like, Oh, I know how audio stuff works. And then dark noise. It's a little simplified version, but it cortex really is like, if I were telling this story, it's almost like the starting point in terms of inspiration, at least. Uh, it's really like a great, great show. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I 100% very, very like it, it got my brain turning and to a point where I was like, okay, yeah, this this really sounds like something I could do. I like like we talked about at the beginning. I had a background in video. I didn't have any gear at the time, so like that was the that was my big barrier to entry. Is like, okay, what is the bare minimum I could buy so I could just get started and see if this is actually something I could do? Because I it was not something I could invest a thousand dollars in, or even how you. I think I think to get started, if I'm being completely honest, I bought a Blue Yeti microphone. Classic. Yeah, yeah, blue, yep. Blue Yeti microphone, screen record. No, I use QuickTime for screen recording software. Mm. I would plug my phone in because this was before iOS had built in screen recording. So I'd plug my phone Ah. into my MacBook at the time and use the QuickTime screen recording. And then uh, I bought a tripod and an iPhone um, like mount for a tripod too. And I think that was like all I was able to to invest in at the time. And I, I just bought that just to get started. And then I would slowly add to that over, over time. And now I have what I have. Getting started was weird, but like it was one of those things like everyone would just tell me like, just do it, just get into it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but there's some barrier to entry here. Yeah. Like there there is some knowledge, but it wasn't necessarily the knowledge that I was more afraid of. It was It was just like, should I invest this kind of money into this and like time as well? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's crazy how, yeah, just get started is the general 
recommendation. I think it's because when you get to some level of success in a project, when you look back on it, you're like, how did I get here? And usually Mm -hmm. the answer is I just kept going. Like once I had momentum, I just, you know, it's kind of like you're falling and you just keep putting your feet in front of you. And all of a sudden you're like, I just ran really far because I didn't let myself fall down. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and so you're kind of like, well, if you just start, then you're good. But just starting is that takes a lot more work than just keep going. So it's understandable. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's actually land the plane here. So, uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. This was this is really cool. I think you're the first YouTuber, at least primary YouTuber that we've had on the show. And so this was really fascinating for me. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I, I really enjoy it. So uh, yeah, it was it was great talking to you. So where can people find you and your work? So uh, obviously you can find me on YouTube. It's just Christopher Lawley, L-A-W-L-E-Y. Or you can go to the untitled.site and links to all my stuff are there. YouTube, Mastodon, wallpaper packs, whatever you might be interested in that I do. It's all the links are there. Thanks for listening. This episode was edited by Jonathan Ruiz. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Chucky C or tweet the show directly at launched.fm. I'd really appreciate a rating or review in your podcast app of choice. And you can find show notes and more at launchedfm.com. Mm-hmm.